the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Is the 4th of July getting too complicated to celebrate? And later, how do we shape our own spiritual lives? You're listening to The Common Good. Welcome back to The Common Good. My name is Aubrey Sampson alongside my co-host, Brian Fromm. Happy 4th of July. 4th of July. Independence Eve. Independence Eve. We're so glad that you're with us today. If you've missed any of today's show, we'd love to invite you to go back and catch up on our podcast, wherever it is you cast those pods of yours. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. And as always, we love connecting with you on social media at Common Good Talk. Especially on Facebook, because I think what we're about to talk about might create some cognitive dissonance or some frustration for people, or maybe they love it. So I want (laughs) you to let us know on Facebook what you think is celebrating the 4th of July feeling more complicated than ever. Now, Brian, before we go into this pretty interesting topic, I think hard topic, um, important topic, I'm going to tell you a non-important topic. Oh, good. I like that. I took my boys... Where where have I been for years? You're gonna say to me, Brian. Uh-huh. I took my boys to nothing bunt cakes. Oh have you, sure. B-U-N-D-T cakes. Someone gave us a gift card or two sure. gift cards. They gave the boys gift cards to nothing bunt cakes. That place is amazing. Those yeah. cakes are incredible. Yeah, I've got I've got family that live over by you and regularly uh, when there is a family gathering that requires dessert, that is where it will come from, or well, we part of the dessert do, will come like, from. Portillo's cake, but I'm like, this has opened up. Oh, the little mini thing. ones, the yeah, little this, things. Yeah, I feel like I need people to know this is not an ad. Like, I wish nope. nothing but cakes would be paying me to say this. In fact, if you're <laughs> listening, nothing but cakes advertised on the common good, give us free goodies. But I got there. It's a special one for the summer, a key lime pie cake, which I know sounds weird, but it was fantastic i just stopped myself from like eating the whole thing in like five minutes it was That's so right. good they used my to be in west chicago right but moved to glen ellen or something or other? i had to go to geneva but we geneva. were kind of we were running some errands so we were kind of over there anyway we're driving i think that i could be wrong in the smoke i think the one that w- that used to be right in your backyard it used to be right there in west chicago but i think it moved to glen ellen that one oh, moved okay. to glen ellen i believe i can't imagine west chicago every i love my city but nothing bunt cakes doesn't fit in west chicago it used I wish to be it right did. it used to be right there by the hospital it used to be oh, right by like caliendos and all of that right there Winfield. it used to be right there okay yeah yep. yeah man Red well, velvet welcome. what of my son got dark chocolate <laughs> chocolate i'm just gonna keep naming their cakes it, those are some good cakes. Okay. They're, and they're little like cupcake. They're little. So you yeah. can try different ones. Yes. Yeah. Nope. So, so welcome. Welcome. If you need something for the fourth, again, they're not paying me to say this, but I would say go get yourself a nothing bunt cake. Okay. Let's move on to more serious topics, Brian. Um, do you, I had somebody ask me this and I would love to know your thoughts. Does it feel extra complicated to hang an American flag on your house these days or just to celebrate 4th of July. 
No, I don't think so. Um, Not for me. And uh, for a couple different reasons. Uh, One, I would say, I think the point of the 4th of July is to celebrate um, what makes the best of America, right? Like Mm. it's, you're celebrating not only that you love your country, but you're celebrating the ideals of it. Yeah. Uh, you're not celebrating the perfection of it. Yeah. Uh, you're celebrating the ideals of it. And so you want it's, it serves, quite frankly, as a great reminder of what. And we talked maybe earlier this show about the fact that it also becomes a reminder of, OK, where are we missing the mark? What are we not doing well? Like, I get it. Some fringe groups have co-opted even the flag or patriotism or yeah. whatever else. And so it, it could ex- feel so extreme. Yeah. It can feel weird, but then what's the option is to be like, fine, we're not going to fly. And now the flag is only, you know, with uh, a certain type of person. I think that would be sad. So I don't think so. I think 4th of July is about the ideals. And I mean, we got a lot of complicated things going on in our country. We've got a lot of things that we wish probably were better. But I also Mm -hmm. think it's pretty short-sighted to say this is the worst it's ever been (laughs) like Mm, we've gone through some terrible things and the country remains and the country and so for me fourth of july parade waving the flag uh going to fireworks is a celebration of of the best of us and what makes the best and if all that does is refocus us and help us see where we're not meeting that then that's a good thing so no i don't i don't think so it's not a i don't think you need to celebrate. Uh, so taking this one, the 4th of July, but maybe it's your anniversary or whatever else it might be. I don't think things have to be perfect in order to celebrate it. And so let me, let me read you something from psychology today. And this, it came out of a conversation I had with a friend who's, who is a person of color and she's really struggling to, to celebrate. And, and this is what, this is not from her, but this is what psychology today says. June and July offer a particularly difficult time of year for those of us who find that our historical narrative does not align with the mainstream narrative around independence, freedom, and particularly the 4th of July. Again, this is from psychology today saying for black people in the U S as well as other people of color, the 4th of July might hold deeply conflicting meanings. The red, white, and blue imagery of star spangled patriotism, might feel more nationalistic and threatening to those who have been taunted with, you know, certain slogans. They say some of those slogans here, but um, there's some cognitive dissonance for people of color when it comes to celebrating the 4th of July and the stress that I think people feel in our nation right now, some of the trauma that they feel. It's like, how do you, how do you celebrate? I like your perspective, Brian, that we're not necessarily saying by celebrating, we're not saying we're perfect. We've arrived. But I do think it's a question of like, what does it mean to be patriotic and, Mm -hmm. and who defines that? And uh, one of the questions they ask at psychology today, if what if, and I think this is something you were saying, what if being patriotic means that you fight for what the U S should be. And then they add that you help our country move forward into a more socially just future. You might just ask yourself what it means about what you celebrate Challenge your thoughts, challenge the belief that some people weren't allowed to be American when they came here as bondage or came as refugees. So I I think the perspective here is, I mean, I think it's good to celebrate the 4th of July and good to celebrate our independence and good to be patriotic. Um, 
And at the same time to like you were saying, have that perspective of like, what are we working towards? What are the ideals we need to be fighting for and where can we get better? And just to be mindful of that in, I don't know, in your conversations or in your postings or that kind of thing. But I do think it seems, I wish it wasn't this way, but I think it feels more complicated in my lifetime than it has in it, it. Like, this is the first time I remember like having conversations with people. Well, I would say over the past four or five years, having conversations with people that are like, it's hard to celebrate this year or it feels complicated yeah. to celebrate this year. And, you know, part of the beauty of the ideals of America is people are welcome to feel that way and people yeah. are welcome to feel really patriotic and people are welcome to. Yeah. Uh, for me, I think, um, you know, our country is neither perfect nor all bad. And so mm-hmm. I think there's, and it's set on ideals that while it might feel like we're not hitting those ideals, I think we are something worth striving for. And so that's yeah. the, to me what I would encourage people on the 4th of July. But yeah, uh, I also think one of the beauties of America is we don't have to say, well, you better celebrate. You better true. feel that's good about point. the country. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, just because somebody else's um, experience uh, with the country and patriotism, this might be X and mine might be Y doesn't necessarily mean that one is true and one is not. Um, and so I, I don't think I need to, or you need to, or someone needs to feel guilty about uh, celebrating. And I don't think people need to feel guilty if they're like, you know what? I'm sitting this one out this year. Yeah, like this yeah. is just, it's too I'm much not good for with me this, this year. Yeah, I'm going to do yeah. something else because it's been hard for a hard year for it. That's fine. That's yeah. fine. Uh, I, I I choose to hang the flag and yeah. go to the parade and go, yeah. uh, I love America and I hope it's yeah. better next year <laughs> and next year yeah. after that. And we keep living into our ideals. So mm. um, I'm going to wear my Captain America shirt and, you not always do. A, and not eat a hot dog. All right, Brian, coming up next. You'll, I you'll am eat so- one. <laughs> if they had one at nothing sure. but cake, if they had a patriotic Ooh, hot dog cake, hot dog cake. <laughs> now we're talking. <sighs> right next up, I'm so excited. We're joined by the U.S. Volunteer Engagement Manager at World Relief. Her story is the story of becoming a U.S. citizen, and uh, she's reflecting beautifully on her journey of being welcomed to becoming a welcomer herself. I cannot wait to talk to her when we return. You're listening to the Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Uh, Brian, I have a, a spiritual question for you. Oh, pastor, my pastor. That, <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice use of, uh, the, what was that Robin Williams movie? Yes. Uh, Dead Poets Society. Dead Poets there you Society. go. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Hannah Anderson over at Christianity Today had a really interesting article called My Church, My Choice. She's really talking about, uh, how we grow spiritually. The idea that our faith journeys are larger than our choices and uh, kind of what really shapes us spiritually. And here's here's a question she asked that I wanted us to kind of wrestle with. She's talking about her own growth as a Christian and how she was raised in Christian fundamentalism, but then mm. uh, moved out of that two decades on. She's kind of in that. She, she says, I was in the young, restless and reformed, but now I'm more like old, tired and reorienting. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> yeah. Um, but she says this, I can't help but wonder how I got from here to there. What path led me from the traditions of my childhood to and through other ones. How much of my spiritual path was chosen and how much was given? Was my spiritual life begotten or made? 
And I think this is a question of free will versus sovereignty. I think this is a question of individualism versus the collective. Like, so I'm curious, have you, I've never really given much thought to that. No. Like, wh- is my spiritual life, is there an outside force shaping my spiritual life? Meaning is God doing all of it or am I partnering with God or is it some combo or is it, you know, like let's unpack that a little bit. Not that we can Small take the mystery today. of the spiritual life and wrap it up in a few minutes, but I, I love to kind of consider that question. Yeah. Yeah. Much total tangent, much uh, less important thing. You didn't have girls growing up. I did but- not. If you had, you would have shopped at a store regularly called Hannah Anderson. Oh, for the pajamas, I, I remember. Oh, regular seeing... clothes, everything. My, yeah. it was, it was. Uh, they were where cute. So many of our girl clothes came from. So I many. feel it's like I remember Scandinavian. Seeing... Yeah, yeah, it was Scandinavian, and there was like moms and daughters had matching pajamas, which I was. Oh, that is like, part. Yes, huh. that was part of it. But Interesting. You, we <laughs> didn't we didn't go down that route, but. Uh, yeah, it, it was not cheap. It was not a cheap store, but Aww. it was really cute, really durable, really Aww. good stuff for little, little girls. And so Aww, my wife Hannah spent Anderson. many a day uh, at like the Oak Brook Mall or the Yorktown or online. And uh, yeah, Looking anyway. those sales. You got to do that and you got to do American Girl Doll, which that one made me real jealous. I, I wanted an American Girl Doll situation in my life. I'm sure but. there's somebody listening right now with a daughter who's like, you can take mine. Can take <laughs> <laughs> Don't want it uh, anymore. <laughs> it is. Uh, there's something for the church to learn from the American Girl do- Doll store because it's a little cultish. Like when you go into like the doll hospital, you're like, mm, what are we doing here? <laughs> and everything costs money. It's something. They run it well. Brilliant. Uh, Brilliant marketing over is. there. But to your main question there, uh, it's the age old question, right? Yeah, how much right. is God quote unquote orchestrating mm-hmm. versus how much are we doing? I I do think, especially in the mechanics of our faith, like you're asking, which church do I go to? Which, uh, what does my journey? I do think there's a lot to our own choices, right? Like, yeah, um, because I think there's a lot of freedom in the midst of, uh, how we worship, right? The, yeah, the traditions we worship in, whether you're an Anglican or you're uh, a Baptist or whether mm-hmm. you're, uh, you know, a Pentecostal, I, I think. A lot of times people in these in these streams will argue we are the right one. And you're like, yeah. no, I think I think we have a big enough God that under the umbrella of orthodoxy, under the umbrella of the essentials, like there's different expressions and there's mm-hmm. different Absolutely. And so when she's saying I moved from fundamentalism to wherever else her journey took her, like I think that's I think that's her I'll use the word again, her journey. I think that's yeah. her kind of growing and rejecting some things and embracing some things that that isn't a issue of salvation. Like has God drawn me to himself? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, the yeah. angel questions. And so I don't think God was up there orchestrating like now, uh, you know, this year you will head to the Anglican church and okay, okay. you will see, I don't know. I, I grew up, in more of a, you know, and we all, not we all did, but you, you mentioned the young reformed, restless and reformed. Like we all mm-hmm. felt like we had to be really Calvinistic and reformed when we were listening to the Driscolls of the world and all this. Right, right. I'm probably telling on myself to say that I've probably got more free will in my life, in my belief oh, system than, definitely. than, uh, than most people admit than Calvin to. Allows for. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I understand the passages that 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 some of my my friends out there want to yell about, but mm-hmm. uh, I think there's 
does this sound like a cop out when it comes to God's sovereignty and free will? I think there's a beautiful mystery that I'm never going to be able to understand or explain. So I'm just going to keep living my life. Well, I, I do think some of these questions of God are meant to be questions because it's God, right? And so if you could like wrap it up in a pretty little package and make sense of it and like sign on the dotted line and you're done, then it wouldn't be God. Like God is right. bigger than our understanding. I also think there is a there is a wild theology of paradox in the Christian faith. And I agree. Think Explain we, that. Oh, so much is both and. Like so much of the faith is uh, suffering and finding fruitfulness in suffering. So much of the faith is free will and God's sovereignty. Agreed. So much of the faith is joy and pain. So much of the faith is uh, die to myself, find life. Like I, I just think that scriptures are full. Uh, do not fear. I'm full of fear. Like it's so much of the Christian life and so much of the Bible is filled with this theology of rich theology of paradox that I, I think you're right, Brian. It's not a cop out to say mystery. I actually think it's like, that's the beauty, right? Yeah. Like that's yeah. the gift right there that there isn't necessarily like this one camp has it all and has all the right answers. And I think in our spiritual life, it is probably both. And yes, God is sovereign. Yes. God is leading. Yes. God is drawing us to himself. And we have the freedom and their wherewithal because we're people created in the image of God to decide, am I going to pursue God today? That's right. You know? And I, I remember like being around a strict, of uh, a, a young restless reform guy a few years ago. Many, many of the guys around here, pastors around here were in that camp for a while. That's right. But he, but he was like, you know, if it weren't for if it weren't for the Holy Spirit waking me up every morning and, and kind of forcing me to read my Bible, I just wouldn't do it. I'm too sinful. I'm too depraved. I would never choose God. And I remember going, yeah, there's some truth in that. Like we are. Right. But then I'm also like, but you're in Christ now. You're yeah. you're no longer the depraved person you are. You're a new creation. You're yeah. becoming like yeah. Jesus. And even that's a paradox because we are. We're sinners Yet we're righteous in Christ. It's, we're sinners. Yet we're, you know, so it's like I don't. Is that think already you can not yet? Yeah. yeah, it's that conversation of the already not yet that Jesus has won the victory, but we still battle with sin That's now it. and all that yeah. stuff. I, I do. You bring up something really important. Is as as kind of enlightened rationalists, we all think there's an answer to everything, mm, and we must yeah. uncover it. And there's great arrogance in that to go, you know what, theologians since the beginning of time have been debating what it means <laughs> right. that God is sovereign, but right. we have, well, but you know what, I nailed it. I, I got, got it. it. <laughs> uh, I think there is, now we do, that doesn't take away the fact that we want to study and we want to work and we want to try to mm. figure things out and we want yeah, to try to understand right. better. But the fact that almighty, all powerful, all knowing God relates to us and is outside of time and all this stuff. If we think that we can put that in some sort of box and go, let me tell you the three points of exactly how this works. I think that's just the height of arrogance. It's just yeah. arrogant. And so yeah. I do think we can grab, we can hold the tension of uh, God is sovereign. Mm -hmm. God's not surprised by things. Mm -hmm. God's not caught off guard. Yep. But we have some sort of agency in our life as well. And yeah. uh, and that that is what it means to be human. I think that could be a both and. And mm -hmm. uh, we got to just live in that tension and trust that God's good in the midst of it. 
That's what I was just thinking. And the whole while, trust that God is good. Yeah, I think that's I think that's a really good that's a really good way to say it. All right, Brian. Well, coming up next, we've got some fun Fourth of July facts to share with the kids out there. If you're a parent, grandparent, auntie, uncle, spending some time with kids, uh, we've got some good conversational starters for you tomorrow. You're listening to the Common Good on AM eleven sixty. Hope for your life. We are thrilled today because we are joined by Todun Afolabi. She is the U.S. Volunteer Engagement Manager at World Relief. She has a powerful story of becoming a U.S. citizen and now being someone who welcomes the welcomer and uh, is welcoming others herself. And so we are so excited to have you with us today, Todun, to tell you to tell us a little bit about yourself. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Brian. Thank you, Oprah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so why don't we just start big picture? Tell us about your story becoming a U.S. citizen. <laughs> I don't know how much you want to know, but it's been a long journey. I bet it has. Uh, <laughs> it's been a journey of over a decade. Um, I came to the U.S. in 2010, and it's just been um, just ups and downs, you know, lots mm. of ups and downs in that. Um, not to go into so much details, but of course, ensuring that I was always on status, ensuring that I wasn't out of status, all the requirements and making sure I was doing the right things at the right time. Mm. And, I, and I mean, it's so difficult to keep up. It's always so difficult to keep up. <laughs> it's yeah. always so difficult to keep up. I remember at a point in time um, when I was almost actually out of status, when I was told, um, okay, there's been a gap in this area um, <gasps> based on this visa status you are in and all of that. And I actually remember thinking, oh my God, what could, hmm. what's all this? What could have happened? And I remember at that point, um, my lawyer was like, what were you doing? What yeah. were you doing? And I remember saying, I was volunteering at that time, you know, and, and how that act of service saved me. You wow. Know? Um, um, that goes back to also, and I think for me, it was just being welcomed by the community, you know, around me at the time. And also giving back to the community was yeah. really just so life-saving. And I think um, I am at this point point especially with award relief just to also give back to the community the way i was given to um to educate to inform to come yeah. alongside yeah to to um support our offices all across the nation That's awesome. you know in all the volunteer engagement efforts with world relief and i will come alongside newcomers generally within yeah. the country it's just i've been there so i know you know I'm what it's like or you yeah. know yeah. what it's like and and Amazing. to do i wonder uh, what is the feeling when it's done, when they say you are now a citizen, when you have that, you know, ceremony or celebration? What what was that like for you? Oh, my God. It's exciting. It's exciting. It's overwhelming. And it's just like everything. You're like, so this is it? And I think that's the question I was asking. The, the journey, the journey to getting here. Yeah. You know, so, so, like, this is it. This is it. And I, and I just remember feeling just so overwhelmed with joy and saying, we are here now. We're mm. here now. Mm. That's it's a long a, journey, but we are here so That's now. what I was just thinking. What a long journey. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, but I also want to say, though, that it, 
the moment in itself, though fulfilling, the journey is what tells the story. The yeah. journey to get to that point is what gets, yeah. tells the story. And, you know, it was just a moment of just looking back at everything and just coming to this point and saying, oh, what a journey, you know? Yeah. And it's, it's so great to be here. It's so great mm. to be at this point. At this but what, a, but what a long, probably painful, probably frustrating journey at times. I can't even imagine walking through that to do. So good job staying strong in that. Of course, yes. Um, okay, so how did you connect with World Relief? Like, how did your path cross with them? Oh, that's a funny story because I um I remember I am originally from Nigeria, so I remember um for my college one of the things I was looking into for my college project was um, internally displaced people. Yeah. Um, I was working on a on a thesis around internally displaced people, mm. you know, because um, that was my reality back then. Yeah. So, and of course, what Relief was one of those organizations I, I kind of wrote about too, among so many other organizations. So, um, <laughs> coming to the U.S., I was just looking for organizations in those spaces, yeah. and it just so happened that I had an office close to me at that time that I could apply to you wow. know, an office that spoke. So I, and I did, and I got the job and it's also been like different roles over the years and finally getting to this particular role that I'm in right now. Yeah. It's awesome. Awesome. So to do people listening right now going, what, what are the opportunities? What can I do with World Relief? Uh, mm. I know that you work in that world and helping connect people. So what are some of the volunteer opportunities? How can people get plugged in? That's great. Thank you, Brian. Um, so what we do is we have so many volunteer opportunities. And I must tell you, you can fit into anyone. We have one time opportunities we have long-term short-term opportunities and we have a ministry a team-based ministry whereby your church teams can come together to come alongside a new welcomer from ap apartment setups <laughs> to, to 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 hear pop pickups to building friendships a lot of we have what we call the friendship partners just simply working alongside new arrivals becoming friends mm. we, what we talk about is the mutual transformation you are not with all our volunteers that we've had there's always that they come back and say we are always there's just this mutuality the mutual transformation it's okay. not just about coming alongside people but you are also like mutually transformed mm. learning other cultures um and so also um the new families are also like learning and meeting new friends so it's just that mutual transformation within the communities and we see that a lot with all our opportunities even if it's a one-time event opportunity um short-term event depending on your capacity or if you have a, a team of people and you want to come alongside together you can do that together. So yeah. I would just say go on our website, wordrelief.org, um, find an office closest to your location. There are more information on the website. Um, find an office closest to you and the volunteer applications are there. You can just fill up one or you can send me an email mm. uh, at tafolabi, T. A F O L A B I at wordrelief.org. We'll definitely get you plugged in. 
Again, that's worldrelief.org or tafolabi at worldrelief.org. Let me ask you one last question. This is when we have people from World Relief on, we like to ask this. We believe that God really cares for the immigrant and the refugee, but there are some people out there who are sure. Give us a kind of just a vision for why Christians should care about people who are displaced. Mm, that's a good question, Aubrey. That's a good question. I think, and I know the scripture says that we welcome the, new, the, the stranger. And we always say that, welcome the stranger. And I think that as Christians, as children of God, we should emulate the heart of the Father. Mm. And that is welcoming the stranger. Um, just like I, just like I was welcomed and I am in this place as well. Um, bringing people alongside the journey. I think God has called us into the ministry of welcome yeah. as Christ followers mm. to welcome in the stranger. And I always go back to strangers in the Bible. You know, you look at Moses, you look at people taking those journeys, and you look at their life, you look at, you look at um, Naomi and Ruth mm. and and people in the lineage of Jesus and ultimately looking just at people like us and their journey at one point or the other. We are all new to a particular environment. Yeah. Even within the U.S., you move from Memphis, you move right. from Memphis to right, Chicago. Right. All right. That's it's all right. new. It's yeah. so different. <laughs> it's so different. So, so I mean, you're looking at new neighbors. It's the same thing. There's always, and mm. we see a lot of that right now. Lots of movement, lots yeah. of movement going on. Um, the highest number of displaced people, high records of that wow. now. So there is the need there. And, and, and I think, and I think the scriptures knew that there will come a time as this. Mm. And, and, and it has prepared us as children of God to, to be ready for time like this and to also um, show the love of Christ to others. So, oh, um, so good. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's so beautiful. Todun Ofalabi, God has called us to the ministry of welcome. She's the U.S. Volunteer Engagement Manager at World Relief. Find out more at worldrelief.org. You're listening to The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. It's the end of the show on Independence Day Eve. And so we want to send you out with some fun facts to share with the kids in your life. Like you'll sound smart if you lay these out. Like you, yeah, they'll, people will you, be very impressed with you. Like this is at a party. You're like, hey, let me tell you about the Continental Congress. <laughs> Uh, you're you you're welcome you are welcome <laughs> that's what we're here to do at the common good okay here's one here's one you can throw around at the party tomorrow the star-spangled banner became the united states national anthem in 1931 really that late yeah it's not that actually kind of surprised me that it was 1931 like almost 200 years after we became a country yeah, that's that interesting. I, I'm sure yeah. that's not when it's. I'm sure that that that's not when it the became popular. Written, right, right. It was that's when it became officially the national yeah. anthem. But did we officially have a national anthem before that, or was that this, is ooh good follow up question? I don't know. Or the was this to that. informally our national anthem from years before? I don't know. That's a good one. 
Yeah. All right. I All want right. to read this one. I'm going okay. down a little bit. President Zachary Taylor died in 1850 after <gasps> eating spoiled fruit following the 4th of July speeches. <gasps> no. Was he poisoned? Uh, I don't think so. I think that's the 1850s for you. And uh, you get some spoiled <laughs> fruit and true. you're in trouble. Fruit in the 1850s. So uh, the, here's something else interesting about Zachary Taylor. I don't know if this is true or not, but on our family tree, Zachary Taylor's on there. Way up high, but he's... Like, really? Like, like in yeah, your like family actually, history? Yes, our family history. They say that we're connected somehow to Zachary Taylor. Sometimes I don't know if I believe it because I'm like, where's the, like, he didn't pass anything down. We don't have these, like, portraits of Zachary Taylor in our family or anything. Well, or, like, was the ready library. to. What'd you say? He, he was he ready to. The and, then he, and then he got some bad plum That's or, true. like, some nasty peach right. or something. You're right. And uh, away he went. He was only president, it said, for like a year. I didn't realize this. I did not know that. Wow. Apparently, he was a military leader as well. Yeah. So apparently, my my cousin, Zachary Taylor, died in 1850. Okay, here's one. In 1781, Massachusetts became the first state to declare the 4th of July an official state holiday. Good old Massachusetts. Declaring the 4th of July an official state holiday. So until... This is interesting. Despite its early adoption as a state holiday, July 4th wasn't declared a federal holiday until 1941, 10 years after the national anthem. Huh. That's wild. All right. This is this is one of, they say, the most ironic Fourth of July facts. Two famous signers of the declaration. I would say two of the most famous signers of the Declaration of Independence. uh, That being John Adams and Thomas Jefferson. Both died on July 4th, 1826. Come James on. Monroe, the fifth U.S. president, would later die on July 4th, uh-uh. 1831. But the fact that it was Adams and Jefferson both died on the 50-year anniversary of the signing of the, of the Declaration of Independence, that's crazy. Do you think they did that on purpose? Like they made like a pact and they're like, we will die 50 years from today. I don't think they did. I think okay. they ate spoiled fruit. Somebody gave him a watermelon <laughs> that was just nasty, nasty old uh, watermelon. Brian, I quizzed you on this the other day. So let's see if you remember who's the only president who was born on the 4th of July. Who was the only president? You did quiz me on this. I remember uh-huh. guessing FDR. Was it a, uh, it was a uh, 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 Coolidge. Yes. Calvin Coolidge. He served as the governor of Massachusetts and vice president before being elected president in 1923. And that guy, if you're born on the 4th of July, you're meant to be the president of the United States of America. Like that is like, we just talked about God's sovereignty. There you go. Right there. This number is actually lower than I thought it would be. Americans spend more than, well, I wonder how much more, more than $1 billion on fireworks annually. $1 billion? That was slow. That's a B. That was low to you? Have you ever like driven through Indiana? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, all the fireworks that people buy on the 4th of July from little light up things to things that scare my dog to whatever. Uh, Yeah, that's that's something. Okay, here's are you a firework person? Are you like a we light off stuff in our backyard person? I mean, of of myself and my husband, can you guess who is the we light off firework stuff in our backyard person? 
I mean, I would think your husband does it on more than just the Fourth yeah. of July. Yeah, I am married to a I am married to a pyromaniac. The dude loves massive bonfires and lighting off fireworks. So we're teaching our three teenage sons some great things. Let's be uh, honest. They, yes, they need to light <laughs> Thankfully, things up. Thankfully, we're in Oklahoma. You know, you can do fireworks shows, and that's where we typically are. So we get a bunch of fireworks. We take them down to the lake and shoot them off over the lake, and that's actually really fun. But I'm terrified the whole time that someone's, like, hand is going to get burnt off or, it happens. You know, shot in the head with a firework or something. Nice. Like How about this one? George Washington celebrated the July 4th holiday by giving his soldiers a double ration of rum. Hey, George Washington knows how to throw a party. Okay, this is a fun one. I, I think all kids in the world will like this one. Coney Island yes. in New York, it hosts a famous televised hot dog eating contest every year on July 4th. Listen to this. Multiple champion Joey Chestnut holds the hot dog eating record. Oh, I don't even want to say how loud gross. it is. It's it is gross. so nasty. 76 yeah. hot dogs in 10 minutes. Yeah, they shove it down. They like dip oh. it in water. It's gross. It's nasty. Oh, God. It makes me want to gag. 76 hot dogs in 10 minutes? All right. Don't go down. Don't go down to number 15. I'm going to okay. ask you. This is going to be your quiz. Oh, okay. 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 Edward Rutledge was the youngest person to sign the Declaration of Independence at how many years old? Oh, uh, well, 18? No, a little older. Edward Rutledge was 26 years old. Who is Who, Edward Rutledge? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. Who is the oldest? Oh. This is a name you know. Was 70 years old. 70 years old is the oldest to sign the Declaration of Independence. All right. I'm going to go. Okay. It's a name I know. So a famous signer. It's one of the ones you know. Yes. Franklin. Ben Franklin. It was Ben Franklin. It was. He had his little glasses on when he signed it. Those little it's, round glasses. You were an office <laughs> fan. You watched The Office, right? Not oh, Seinfeld, yeah. but you watched Office. Yeah. Yeah. The one where they bring in Ben Franklin. Uh, oh. and He's just a historical figure, and Jim makes him believe it's a stripper. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I do love that. God bless the writers one. of The Office. God bless the writers of The Office. Okay, let's see. Have we, let's, let's impress the kids with a couple more facts, all right? I'm ready. There are more than 314 million people living in the United States today. But in 1776, there were just 2.5 million people. I actually, that number's higher than I would have thought. I would have guessed too. That's right. I would have uh, said like a few thousand. <laughs> wow. I will, I will give you number 17 here, which uh, goes to what you just discussed about oh, no. your family. Oh, no. Hospitals have an influx of patients each July 4th as a result of fireworks related mishaps. Uh, oh, dear yep. Lord, please don't let there it be my children. There have been 27 versions of the U.S. flag. <gasps> that, I know that that's fascinating let's oh. see here americans see. will consume approximately 150 million <laughs> hot dogs on the 4th of july nasty that's a good that's a good fact for the kiddos i feel like we could end there that's a really good one yep. say how many hot dogs it is again 150 million 150 i'm, million. I'm trying to do one percent i'm trying to do one percent <laughs> on my own this weekend <laughs> You're take you're taking some of that stats yeah. on yourself. Good job, right? All right. Well, Brian and I will be back again with a best of show tomorrow, and then we'll be back again on Wednesday. 
from 4 to 6 p.m. We hope you have a happy 4th of July. For Brian Fromm, I'm Aubrey Sampson. And you've been listening to The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.